We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Holy cow! Please shut up! Please shut up! Gangsters, what's up, guys? I would be honored if you played football for this team. Me play football? Lance Dooley and the Georgia damn Bulldogs, baby! Sorry, wait. My mom made me put on my jacket, and then she made me do the dishes. What we've got here is failure to communicate. That's so funny. Last time I heard that, I laughed so hard I fell off my dinosaur. Just a bit outside. Oh, look at the sugar falling out of the sky. Look at the sugar falling out of the sky. You think you'll ever get out of here? One day, when I got a long white beard and two or three marbles rolling around upstairs, they let me out. The Second String Podcast and Now Radio Show on 98.7 FM and AM 1340 WGAU, Athens News and Weather Station. Two national championship coach Irvin Myers. Well, Walker, the national nightmare is over. The court's back on your screen. Not on your screen much longer, man. This dude is G-O-N-E gone from Jacksonville. Did you see this coming? I think everyone in the world saw this coming. Everyone that has eyeballs could see. Let's do a quick fact check. That the court, Kareem thought he was bringing multiple, (laughs) multiple Super Super Bowl titles. Two national championships. To Jacksonville, bring the people of Florida more joy. Wound up not being that way, man. Well, I don't have much to say about this story other than it feels like Dan Mullen to me where I knew it, you knew it, anybody that wasn't a Jaguars or I guess in this case a Florida, maybe some Ohio State fans knew it. This guy's not good for wherever he goes. He may win a few things and, mm-hmm. and things of importance, by the way. Uh, wait, what? The win makes Irvin Myers the fifth mm. active coach with multiple national titles. No one's denying that. Multiple. National multiple titles. national titles. But the problem is, is that he leaves a trail of slime everywhere he goes. Mm. And Jacksonville is just the latest stop on that double dare slime tour. You see what I did there? The Double Dare Slime yeah, Tour. Yeah, taking me back. Got to reach up that nose and oh, get the flag, man. man. Otherwise, you get the slime. <laughs> I love that. Anyway, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. What are your final thoughts on Urban Mike with the Corch? The Corch is a sleazeball. Yeah. He's a major sleazeball. I mean... We got Cruton to talk about. People have been talking about this for years. Paul Feinbaum has said it for years. I think you and I have said it on this show for years. He's just not a likable person, and I, I don't know how his family feels about him, but he's just not the kind of guy, to me, that you would want to spend a lot of time with. Oh, his family hates him. Let's do a quick fact check. No, I'm not going to speak for his family. I, I apologize. I think his kids like him. After he was caught at the bar with that young lady, though, mm-hmm. not too long ago, I, I don't know how his wife feels about yeah, I'm not about sure him. how Mrs. Meyer feels about that, but we'll ask her on another day. It's probably the best thing for Jacksonville 
probably the best thing for the coach mm-hmm. and uh, and probably the best thing for the NFL as a whole. Let's just hopefully have Coach Irving Myers slink away somewhere and, and go not, Gator. Not show up on my TV. Again could he for, be? An, could he be an analyst for Billy Napier and the Florida Gators? He could be an analyst for anybody he wants, but I don't want to see him yeah, on my television again for a while. I don't want to see his face. I looked it up. The dude's worth like thirty-five million dollars after all of his salaries over the years. Why don't you just go buy something nice mm-hmm. and sit there and look at the lake and mm-hmm. and stare at the mountains? Do whatever floats your boat i'll never understand people like him and he's got a different motor than me different drive but if i was worth that much money and got fired i'm not looking to work again Mm -hmm. i'm done okay i've I've had my moments i've embarrassed a lot of people along the way we've brought joy to a lot of people along the way when those multiple national titles was being won And, and i get it but just go go stare at the lake and scrub your social media and just just disappear why not you've got the funds to do it that's my thought. You know who is probably going to benefit from this, too, is Trevor Percy Lawrence. Harvey. <laughs> Percy Harvey already benefited from mm. uh, the tutelage of the court. Uh, I think Trevor is going to have a, a much better chance at having a good run there in Jacksonville <laughs> without all this going on. I mean, think about the scandals just this year. Uh, Urban was caught with the young lady at the bar. Uh, he shamed all of his assistant coaches in a uh, fiery speech in the locker room, and uh, then he kicked – someone at practice back in the preseason <laughs> that just came out this week Did you see that he kicked I'm, someone i'm still giggling at what you said the tutelage of the courts <laughs> they're playing at the 40 watt this weekend by the way tutelage of the court tutelage of the courts that is our new <laughs> official second string band that will be playing at the 40 watt on a regular basis tutelage of the courts if you are planning on starting a band <laughs> at any time soon and you want that name we will lend it to you what are you doing for the small price of one hundred thousand dollars, I think that's fair. I think I that's think that's fair. more than fair. That will sell <laughs> records, name alone. <laughs> Tutelage of the courts, featuring Percy Harvey, Tim Tebow, Irvin Myers. What a trio! So what a trio! We have been requested by the folks on the Twitter machine this uh, week uh, to talk about uh, not only Coach Urban Meyer, but Coach Urban Myers. Folks also would like to get our hot take on Coach Brian Kelly down mm. at LSU. Did you see his very cringy, awkward video? Look, I, I'm not going to give the response that you think I'm going to give, and here's why. If I was tasked with trying to relate to young kids and they were like, hey, let's get on this dance floor and we'll do a funny dance, I would be more cringy than Brian Kelly. I'm, I, I don't have the moves, the grooves, the, the swag. I just flat out don't have it. I avoid the dance floor at a wedding like the plague. I have gotten in fights with my wife over it because I hate, with a passion, dancing. I'll slow dance a couple dances with the misses and swing her around the dance floor. But when it comes to dancing, I hate it, despise it. It it gives me anxiety thinking about it. So Brian Kelly's trying, but it doesn't make it any less cringy. It was bad. It was really bad, but it, it. I think part of it is because of what just happened mm-hmm. with his fake Southern accent, no. and he's just not relating to the Cajun folks like Ed Orgeron did a minute ago. Then gumbo with me. me and my family. We're so proud it to was, be 
We in, just drove through Savannah. Would like to be in Louisiana. Oh, man. Oh, I do declare <laughs> it is warm in Louisiana. Oh, I had an aunt from North Carolina that said, well, I declare <laughs> everything she said. Well, I uh, declare. If you missed it, it was Brian Kelly with a recruit, and <laughs> oh, they were back-to-back back on a dance floor. Uh, j- the recruit, I guess, wasn't doing a whole lot. He was just spinning a football, but Brian Kelly was – busting a move uh as we used to say back in high school mm. and it wasn't good and everyone's reaction was kind of the same everyone's reaction was like why it's like you've seen that meme with uh, steve buscemi where he's oh, like yeah. hello fellow high school students oh yeah <laughs> that's what brian kelly that looks like brian there. kelly in, at lsu man. hello youth of today i'm brian kelly <laughs> you no longer can recruit on the the good catholic values of notre mm. dame you have to you have to really relate to the people of your constituency if you, if you can't sell the state of louisiana you can't sell anything i mean it's beautiful there's great food there's plenty of booze and there's lots of ladies if you can't sell that and if you if you walk in the right music venue at the right time you might see tutelage of the court you may see tutelage of the courts <laughs> performing live in baton rouge i love this band so much so um, i love it so much that was one of the things we were asked to talk about the last thing i'll bring up uh, that was requested this week is the san francisco 49ers taking on your atlanta falcons on sunday do you want to talk about the falcons man these ain't my atlanta falcons bro these are your atlanta i don't know falcons. what you're talking about my atlanta falcons you claim them you uh, own them you know my thoughts on this. I don't even want to make you mad because I like you, Walker. Believe it or not, it's the holiday season, and, and I like you. Thanks, man. I want you to be happy, but I don't want your happiness and joy to come from anything Kyle Shanahan does on a football field. The guy broke my heart, man. Like the guy, I don't even like hate him. It just, I, I get sad thinking about Kyle Shanahan. That's not true. I want to throw him off a bridge. But but anyway, into a pool where he can get out and, and whatever. But will, you know what I'm saying. Will you be more sad if the Niners Mm-mm. beat the Falcons? This I have weekend? zero apathy. I guess I'm apathetic is what I'm trying to say. You know your Falcons are on the verge I of don't a playoff care. What, Okay, here's the thing. I know what you're going to say to me when I say this. Well, yeah. well, well the Braves uh-huh. did it. The Braves. You're dang right I'm going to say you that. You are going to say it, but you're not convinced. Uh, different sports, okay? The baseball is one of those that you can actually go on a run and get hot in any given day. This Falcons team has a negative 39% chance. That's negative. 39% chance to win a playoff game. It's not going I'm, to happen I'm no just, matter what. I'm just taking it. But I, but I'll say this and I'll, since you want me to talk about oh, my oh. Atlanta Falcons real mm-hmm. quick, I'm very pleased with the progress we had. I started this season saying flat out there are zero expectations. But the fact that we are actually having a real conversation that involves the words Falcons and playoffs means that in the future, next year, the year after, those expectations are going to grow for Arthur Smith, and I'm kind of liking what I've seen from him so far. The Falcons are not a good team right now. Got to address a lot of issues in the offseason. And to be frankly, perfectly honest with you, I'm so used to wanting the Falcons to lose the last few years. I'll give you what you want, Walker. This week and this week only, go 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go, the Falcons need all the draft picks they can get. I'd rather pick eight as opposed to 12. The eighth player in the draft might just be Jordan Davis. Ooh, you see what I did there? I like that. He may not be there at number number 16 or wherever, Ooh, man. I want number eight. Not. 
Number 12, whatever I said. I forgot already. But, no, I, I'm, I'm looking at draft picks now. I'm not, looking, I'm not looking for wins. How about this? How about your Falcons can have Jordan Davis, my 49ers can get N'Kobe Dean. I would never want to see N'Kobe Dean coached by that idiot out there in San Francisco. <laughs> but if that makes you happy, Walker, that makes you happy. I made a note, 1046, mm. as we record here on the 16th of December. Logan Booker says mm. the Falcons have no chance to win a playoff game this year. None at all. I just want to keep that for None. the run. Yeah, good. I'm glad you got that. Okay. Uh, why don't we hit a quick break right now? Here's just bad news for the Cheeseheads. Okay. We got half a show today. Half a show. Half a show. We half got we show. got so much. We're busy people right now. There's a lot going on around the office. It's Christmas time. Uh, but but the second half of the show, we had a really good conversation on my morning show at 960 The Ref with a very good friend, Jason Hasty, a historian over at the Special Collections Library. And we really got in the weeds about the history of Georgia and the Orange Bowl mm-hmm. and uh, playing Michigan for the first time since 1965. I'll, I'll just tease it there, but the second half of this show, I'm going to revamp a little bit and make it fit into our shell so you can listen okay. to that on the second string as well. So let's hit a break now. We still got about 12 minutes to go, you and I. Let's dive into this Cruton class. I want to talk Cruton. ABC, always be Cruton. Let's talk some Crutes coming up next. The second string right here on WGAU. That was really a productive segment, wasn't it? Big Dominican lunch. Now back to the second string on 98.7 FM and AM 1340 WGAU, Athens News and Weather Station. Three is a magic number. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Yes, it is. It's a magic number. Somewhere in the ancient mystic trinity. I want Judy! I want Judy! As a magic number. Go Gator. All right, three is a magic number. Walker Schoolhouse Rock. Love this song. Love this video, by the way. It's fantastic. However, the doggies appear to be finishing with the number three class in the nation. Are you ready to uh, jump off that proverbial bridge I mentioned a moment ago? How can Kirby embarrass the program any more than to fall from one to three? What's going on at Buttsmere? Do we need to find somebody that can get the job done? I'll say this with just a touch of sarcasm. That does make you third in the SEC. All I want to do is I'm going to say also, though, with a a huge uh, touch of optimism that Georgia has a great, great class coming in. If you cannot be happy with this, Mm. especially as we're sitting here waiting for the Orange Bowl. By the way, I despise the four-week layoff between the SEC championship (laughs) game and the Orange Bowl. we got to get back out there, man. My goodness. But uh, as we're waiting for that Orange Bowl, you get all of this news uh, on Wednesday about all of these recruits that are coming in. The secondary has been shored up in a big way. you got a big bear coming in. What? you got a big bear coming in here. Kirby actually went out and recruited a real bear. Yeah, this is crazy. We're gonna we're gonna stick a bear on the defensive <laughs> line, man. It, how do you compete with that? I mean, <laughs> I mean if, if you can have NIL or NLI or whatever it is, name image likeness. If Jackson State can recruit a uh, hmm. number one player in in the country, how crazy oh, is that? Why can't Kirby Smart recruit an actual bear? Well, since we got a human version of a bear, Big Bear Alexander, I see no reason why the Bear Hollow Zoo mm-hmm. can't pay him to go hang out there every Sunday and sign autographs. Spokesman. I mean, just, hey, Boom. come on out and hang out with the bears. All four of them now. We got three already. Now we got a new bear. 
in uh, in Big Bear Alexander. Love it. But you said it right a second ago that the secondary has been shored up in a huge way. Uh, Walker, why did Georgia lose to Alabama a couple weeks ago? Because we got no pressure on Bryce Young. That was part of it. And the other part was that you just didn't have the mature, grown secondary. I'm not here to knock Keely Ringo. I'm not here to knock um, whoever else is out. Darian Kendrick. Thank you very much. Darian Kendrick. I'm not here to knock William Poole, who got a lot of time at safety, and Lewis Seen. Those guys played their tails off, and I appreciate it. Uh, But but the deficiency was shown. And I think in time, you have to kind of – not not rebuild, but add to and get mm-hmm. more depth at some guys that are already very talented. Yeah. And you did that. Oh, absolutely. And and you and I talked all season long about the secondary being a concern. We kind of forgot about it, mm-hmm. honestly, as everyone did, because Georgia was so dominant on the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. and quarterbacks for opposing teams spent so much time running for their lives that, you know, pass coverage just didn't come up as a problem all that often until the Alabama game. But I'm sure uh, Kirby and Coach Lanning will have a new plan on January 10th. Coach who? Oh, the guy that coaches on the West Coast. Oh, the Ducks. The Oregon Ducks. He's going to spend a little time here in Athens helping us get ready for the Michigan game. I'll tell you off air what you can't spell without duck. Oh, boy. I'll just leave. No, that was a great college game day sign that did not (laughs) make it into the the, the college game day when the Oregon Ducks were playing. Good. Uh, Here's the thing. Georgia signed, according to 24-7 Sports, using that database, five five star recruits. Mm -hmm. That's good, by the way. That is good. Three of those five-star recruits are all members of the secondary. The other two are pass rushers. That, mm-hmm. that is a very, very good thing to build upon. And look, they got to pan out now. They got to get in the system. They got to start working out, eating with the nutrition program at Georgia, and getting coached up along the way. Could some of these guys make impact in 2022? Absolutely. Do I expect them to really hit their stride and be a, a championship secondary? Not for another year or two, a couple mm-hmm. years. Uh, but the big one is Malachi Starks just up the road, Jefferson, Georgia. I've got family that goes to Jefferson High School, by the way. So we got a little in, Walker, if we there want to. Uh, maybe we can sponsor Malachi Starks. Second string podcast approved <laughs> safety. Malachi Starks. But Jaheim Singletary, uh, once committed to Ohio State, mm-hmm. five star out of Jacksonville. Word on the street was that Florida really, really pushed hard the last couple of days, and then they came up short. Thank goodness. So we got Jaheim. And then Dalen Everett, how about that surprise when when Brent Venables, coordinator up at Clemson, yeah. your mother-in-law's mm-hmm. beloved Tigers, uh, took the job at Oklahoma. There was a mass decommitment rash, and he was one of them. And a couple days later, out of IMG Academy in Florida, commits to the Dogs. That is a great, great get, and Boy, it's, uh, it got me. It has me optimistic about defending Alabama passes in Mercedes-Benz Stadium the next few years. I've said this for a long time. Fortunes can change fast in the world of college football. Mm-hmm. And boy, have they for the Clem and his son, Tigers. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, left with some new assistant coaches. Dabo just seems more and more ornery by the day. Oh, he made some comments this week that he sounded like he was done. Uh, well, he may be. There's I a mean, lot of manipulation well, going on. I don't like this. It's like, the well, sudden, they quit. You're, you're not in the college football playoff for the first time in five years, and now you're just going to show up angry about everything. I'm going to say something you're not going to like, but I'll say it anyway. If I were a Clemson fan, thank God I'm not. Well, I say that. You take the two national championships you won. How many, Walker? The win. No, 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 not that two. one. Two national championships. In 16 and 18, and I'm jealous as any words I can't say on radio mm-hmm. of those two titles. Sure. But Clemson fans, I wouldn't expect one anytime soon. 
No, I don't and think so. And that's okay. Uh, from what we saw this week with their recruiting class, which was uh, not even tops in the ACC, mm. if you can believe that. And, uh, boy, mm. how about the – how about Kareen's Gators down there? Go Gator. In Gainesville, man. They had a rough time. Well, you no longer have to click read more to get to their <laughs> page bio. But the thing is, and this is this is the one spark. Unfortunately, the Gators did get a spark they yesterday. Mm-hmm. And they're going to let you hear about it for the entire offseason. The, the one five-star they got? They got the one five-star okay. in Kamari Wilson, who was flirting with Georgia. We mm-hmm. thought we had him in the bag as early as signing day morning. Uh, the other one was Shamar James, the one-time Florida commit who decommitted, thought it was between Georgia and Alabama this whole week, and Florida winds up reeling him back in the class. Here's why you're going to hear about it. Florida's class sucks. Yeah, it does. Okay, Florida's class really sucks. Let's do a quick fact check. Even Corrine knows. Florida's it. class is going to set them back a couple of years. Yeah. Georgia's going to win the next couple cocktail parties, I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah. We'll see if the transfer portal makes it more competitive but Florida's not in a good place. By the way, Emory Jones is going to transfer in a couple weeks, too. He's made that known. So here's the thing, though. And this is back to what I'm saying, that spark. Florida fans view this, and this is how they're going to spin it. We've had our guy for eight days, eight days in office, Billy Napier, and he's mm-hmm. already convincing kids not to go to Georgia. Mm-hmm. You just wait just until wait. he gets a full recruiting mm-hmm. cycle. You just wait. I mm-hmm. saw somebody refer to it as Napier's Army. <laughs> when Napier's wow. Army gets on the recruiting trail and they start recruiting full-time, you just wait. The Bulldogs are toast. You, and they believe that. You know something I'm not afraid of? The Napier Army. It does not strike a lot of fear in your heart, does it? Not a bit. The Napier Army. Uh, another thing I'm not scared of is Spencer Rattler <laughs> at South Carolina. Boy, the Gamecocks are crowing this week. They think they got the SEC East on lock next Do year. you remember the last time you saw Spencer Rattler on a field of play? He was getting benched at Oklahoma, right? He was getting benched and booed by a mm. fan base that were so sick and tired of him making dumb decisions. I'm not saying he's going to just step in and make dumb decisions at Carolina, but do you think he has a support staff around him of of athletes, an offensive line, wide receiver weapons to go out yeah. there and ball out? No. Uh, look, I'm not saying that South Carolina is dead forever, but they're still a couple of seasons away from competing Minimum. for the East. Here, here's, so is Florida. So is Tennessee. I complimented Clemson. I'll, I'll now insult them. One of the big reasons Carolina fans are so excited even though they just lost 30 nothing to Clem and his son, <laughs> mm. they're seeing the, the disarray, the, the, the bad things happening on the west side of the state, and they're getting Spencer Rattler, and mm-hmm. Shane Beamer's got him excited again. Mm-hmm. I said the Florida fans are going to be loud this offseason. You may want to mute every Carolina fan you know because they are going to be chirping up a storm. Oh, yeah. First SEC home game of the year for Carolina next year. September 17th against the Georgia Doggies. Especially if they win the mayonnaise bowl. Mm. They may be oh, uh, really chirping at that point. we got one minute left. I'm sorry to be such a short show. Is there anything else you want to make sure we get in before uh, we say I goodbye? just want to say that Kirby is an absolute magician mm-hmm. on the recruiting trail, and we should all be very happy with what was accomplished this year and, and what's been accomplished in the last five years. This is why... Nope, nope, nope. The, <laughs> don't Man, buzz me. Goodness gracious. This is why the dogs are in a Sorry, position Walker. that they are in right now with a chance to win a national championship. So let's go win the whole thing. That man. was bitter Kareen, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and get up out of here. 
Uh, on the other half of the show, again, really good stuff. You'll enjoy. Oh, look at the puppy on the TV right there. Uh, you'll enjoy. That's a really cute puppy. Uh, you will enjoy Jason Hasty talking about the Orange Bowl in Georgia versus Michigan and what all that means. Great conversation. I really want that dog, man. Holy cow. Uh, anyway, Walker, see you next week. Go dogs. Go doggies. Everybody else, see you on the other side. Jason Hasty of the Special Collections Library. Coming up next, I think you'll really enjoy that conversation right here on The Second String on WGAU. Now back to The Second String on 98.7 FM and AM 1340 WGAU, Athens News and Weather Station. Cheeseheads, I do think you're going to enjoy this next segment. Our good buddy UGA historian Jason Hasty over at the Hargret Library going to give us a really, really cool look at the history of Georgia, the Orange Bowl, and the Dogs versus the Wolverines as we get ready to head down to Miami for the college football playoff. Here's our conversation this week over on the 960 The Ref Morning Show. He's requested oh, he's got a, walk-up a, song. a certain walk-up song for the conversation. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 uh, Miami. So, uh, spoiler Sound alert, Jason did not special request uh, the song, but I'm going to play it for him anyway. That's right. Little Will Smith, welcome to Miami. Jason Hasty, historian over at the Hargret Library, does a lot of phenomenal, phenomenal work over there doing some exhibits as football seasons roll around. He does year-round stuff, but a lot of chances you'll get to see them are during football season. He's joined us several times talking some history. Jason, how rude of us not to ask you for a walk-up song. Yeah, well, you, you, We got one for the next time? You know, I, I couldn't re- remember requesting that rock a walk up song, so uh, <laughs> but I'll have to think about. That. All right, we'll get back to you on that one. Although that was a good one, that was you know appropriate for what we're about to talk yeah, about. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been since 1960 the last time the dogs went down to the Orange Bowl. So I imagine someone like yourself doing what you do over at the Hargret Library when a bowl matchup is announced, and hey, great and wonderful, we're in the college football playoff. Certainly a goal of every year, but when we find out it's going to be the Orange Bowl, your historical mind has to start churning about, okay, what can I do? What can I go unearth that we haven't seen in quite a while? So when we finally found out, I bet you got a little extra excited, didn't you, Jason? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's one of those where when you when we get the bowl matchups, it's always... Hey, what do we have? What uh, what do we have in the archives? What can I really pull out about this? What can I find out that's interesting about it? Um, and with the Orange Bowl, especially, and having not been here for you know fifty, sixty years, that really was kind of a, a special moment. Talking with Jason Hasty from the University of Georgia's Hargrit Library. Jason, you've texted me or sent me a couple of things from. That era back in 1960. One thing I love the most is the pennant you sent me with a rendition of the standing bulldog that you and I will agree is not the best looking mascot that has ever made any sort of memorabilia for Georgia. Do you know any more about that? Have you unearthed that? Who drew it? Was that used in more places than the 1960 Orange Bowl? Where did that thing come from? You know, that is really one of the strangest renditions of our mascot I've ever run across. And I don't know anything about it other than it looks to be some sort of bulldog human hybrid. Yeah, it's not uh, good. <laughs> it's, it's just very odd. And I'm, I'm assuming it was just some sort of third company, a third party company that, <laughs> that made yeah. that just for the Orange Bowl. And they said, oh, well, you know, they're the bulldogs. So let's draw a bulldog and. Maybe they didn't know how to draw I, I put on. this, if, if you haven't seen it, by the way, for our listeners, go to our Instagram at 960theref, and it's about the uh, 10th or 11th thing down that we put there. I don't think Peter Millar is going to put it on a polo anytime soon. What do you think? 
No, I don't think it's going to be anything <laughs> that a fan wants on their polo or uh, on a magnet on their truck or anything like that. It's uh, it's really not uh, not that exciting. Dave and I, we yeah, we uncovered something I'm sure you've known for a long time off the top of your head, but the very first bowl game Georgia ever played in back in the 40s was the Orange Bowl, and I think it was at three of the first eight bowl three games, Dave? Eight, yeah, and I know there's different yeah. circumstances, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, Georgia hasn't gone to the Orange Bowl since 1960. When when we went to the Rose Bowl a few years ago for the first time since 1942, a lot of great archive footage of, of the train ride came out, and that was a, a big joy mm-hmm. to see. Do you have any kind of stories or anything about the first couple of times Georgia packed it up? Did they take a train? Did they did they drive down? How did they get to the Orange Bowl back in the, the glory days, if you want to call them that? You know, in the first couple of years, of course, during in, in 42, that was the war years. So travel was restricted. It was just after World War II had broken out mm. because we played in the, on the Orange Bowl on January 1, 42. Of course, we entered the war on December 7, 41. And so we would have taken a train. Uh, that would have been really the only way we could have gotten down to Miami. Uh, in 49, when we went, I believe that they flew, but they may have taken a train. I've not really been able to find out anything definitive how they traveled down in, in 49. And in the 60, uh, it's my understanding that they flew down there. So kind of a different um, a different mode of travel for each. Uh, and certainly they probably didn't want to drive back then when there were no real highways uh, leading from Athens to Miami. That would have been a long, long, long bus ride for, for everyone. Yeah, and, and they didn't have but Yeah, I mean, three of the first eight, that was, and it's remarkable we didn't go where we haven't been since then. It's just you think that Coach Dooley never went, um, Coach Rick, you know, Coach Goff, Don, and somehow never ended up in an Orange Bowl, which is kind of a weird historical quirk. I know there was the story about, what was it, ni- 1968, the players wanted to go there, and Coach Dooley had already gotten Georgia involved uh, with the, I believe it was the Sugar Bowl. and The Sugar Bowl, yeah. yeah. And Lauren, and we'll have him on tomorrow. We talked to him last week when we were finishing up the interview. We were like, yeah, we'll have to talk about that. And he, and he made a reference about how, yeah, it was definitely uh, – that, that was a tough one there for Georgia where the players wanted to go to the Orange Bowl. So there could have been one other trip since then, but that's been it. That's really been it. And, and you know, it's kind of remarkable you think that we've been to the Orange Bowl three times, but – Coach Smart will be only the second head coach to take us to the Orange Bowl because the other three were all uh, Wally Butts' teams. Uh, so just kind of a strange, strange circumstance. And you're absolutely right. The players in 68 wanted to end the season in the Orange Bowl. But the way the bowls were structured by the, at that point, you had to make uh, basically you had to make a deal fairly quickly. And we jumped on an opportunity to go to the Sugar Bowl. And that wasn't necessarily what the players wanted, but that was what we really needed to do in order to secure a bowl slot because there just weren't as many bowls back then and you weren't guaranteed a slot necessarily. A lot of the the historical matchups, and we don't think about this often. In fact, you kind of taught me something the last couple of days. The 1949 Orange Bowl, kind of cool that the dogs got to go up against Tom Landry in Texas. Tell us what you know about that, that game. Yeah, you know, we all think of Tom Landry as being, uh, you know, the very stoic man on the sidelines of the of Texas Stadium back in, in the, you know, the 60s, 70s, and 80s, but uh, in, the, in the nice suit and the fedora. But back in the 40s, he was a heck of a player for Texas. He was a fullback. He punted a little bit. He played quarterback, and uh, we went up against him in 49. 
Uh, and he, he unfortunately ran all over us. He was uh, just unstoppable that day from his fullback position. And, and we ended up losing, losing that game. So the, the first Orange Bowl we went to uh, was our was the first bowl game we ever went to, and that was our first win. And then in 49, that Orange Bowl was our first ever bowl loss. Uh, so Tom Landry handed us our bowl loss, not as a, as a coach, but as a player. And, and kind of one, one sideline to that, you know, it's not really Orange Bowl related, but if you go back to 1936, Georgia played uh, Fordham. Uh, we went up to New York City and played Fordham in the Polo Grounds, which is, you know, one of the great old stadiums in New York City. Uh, Fordham, Fordham had a great team. Uh, their line was called the Seven Blocks of Granite. And one of those blocks of granite was Vince Lombardi. Hmm. So Georgia's kind of had a weird distinction of having gone up against both Landry and Lombardi, neither as coaches, but both as players. What are some other things you've unearthed? I guess when you when you when the Orange Bowl matchup was announced, and you, I imagine, I the vision in my head is you just running wild through the the vault deep in the underground of the Harvard Library, trying to find everything you can, uh, Orange Bowl related, <laughs> just to kind of maybe put a display or something. But have you come across anything? I know the pennant that you uh, sent us a picture of was was very unique. What other what other artifacts mm-hmm. do we have stored away from this, this era of Orange Bowls that George has been to? You know, one of my favorite artifacts, uh, and just overall, is actually an Orange Bowl artifact. It's uh, from that 42 uh, game, and it's a, it's a jersey. It's one of the players' jerseys, and it's signed by every single member of oh, wow. the 41 team. Uh, every member who played in that Orange Bowl, everyone who's on the roster that year, they all signed it, and uh, it's here in the archives. And it's it's really great to see. You know, Frank Sinkwich is on there, and uh, George Poshner, and Dick McPhee, and Hayward Allen. Uh, who was the captain of that team. They're all on there. Cliff Kinsey, who was a great star in that time period. His nickname was Truck. Um, they're all, nickname. their signatures are all in there. So it's a really, really neat little, and this really neat artifact that we have here. Yeah, if a guy's nickname is Truck, I avoid him. I, I, don't, I don't go near yep. <laughs> I don't try to block Truck. Yeah, I don't care what year it is. On the block. Yeah, your nickname is Truck, you're, you're good. <laughs> Well, the matchup itself, Georgia-Michigan, that's historic in its, its own own right because I think it was in 1965 the last time these teams have gotten together. So a couple of wins, I think. Is it is it one-to-one? Am I saying that right? Georgia won one and it's lost one. to one yeah. Both games in Ann Arbor. They'll meet down in Miami this go-round. What, what do we know or what have you unearthed or, or can tell us about old Georgia-Michigan matchups from way back when they're probably played on black and white Shoot. television? Yeah, they did. Uh, they were, you know, we've only played them twice, both in Ann Arbor. Uh, we're one and one against them. The first, the first year we played them was fifty-seven, and we we just got blown out. Uh, it was a twenty-six to nothing loss. They were just simply a better team than us, and, and fifty-seven was a, a very very difficult year for Georgia football all around. Um, we only had three wins that year. There was so a we big just win at the end of the year, though, right? I'm so sorry. They said there was a big win at the end of the year, though. That, uh, yeah, that's really the, the the best highlight of that year. One of the greatest highlights of all of all time for Georgia was the uh, the last game of the year against Georgia Tech. Right. Aaron Sapp's touchdown against Tech to break the drought, and uh, so it was a it was a rough year, but man, it had a great ending. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and yeah, didn't mean to interrupt you there, but yeah, fifty seven yeah, was that. Those were the fifties were that was a tough era for Georgia football. It, yeah, it was a tough era. It was it really was, and, and we really struggled, but. Uh, we went up to Michigan, and uh, Theron Sapp actually was uh, our leader that day as well. Uh, he was kind of the star of that team, but kind of a, like a weird historical quirk. The day we played Michigan, 
uh, N57 was the day the Russians launched Sputnik, the first, uh, oh, wow. the first satellite. <laughs> so kind of an odd historical quirk there. I'm, I'm scribbling this down. You <laughs> said that was the we day learned. we beat Michigan. That was the day we beat them, you said? We played Michigan. No, uh, we, we played lost. them. We didn't beat them. We lost. did beat them in 65, though. Yeah. We went up there, and then Ann Arbor, we, we trailed 7-6 to six at halftime. And we came back, and uh, we beat them 15-7. to seven. Uh, We were just small and fast, and they were bigger and slower, and we ran all over them in the second half and came home. And there were about 10,000 people waiting to meet the team when they landed at the Athens airport. Very cool. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, that for there have been some Big Ten teams that Georgia has seen several times, and there have been others that Georgia just hasn't played. And I throw Michigan in that in the sense that um, – they haven't played in so long. And yeah. one of the interesting stats, too, about you know the only school that Georgia has ever played that starts with an I is Idaho State. So Georgia's mm-hmm. never played Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Iowa State, any of these Big 12 or Big 10 teams, and it's been this long since Georgia's played Michigan. It's just kind of a weird, I guess, maybe little quirk about, about Georgia or the way the schedule's played out over the years. Do you have any – Anything on that, or is that just just the way it's been? You know, it's 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 yeah, it's just kind of an odd quirk. Um, we really didn't after World War II. We didn't really schedule a lot of intersectional matchups, and so that played a part of it. Um, but you'd figure that we would have run into an Iowa in a bowl game at some <laughs> point, uh, somebody or, or a Michigan in a bowl game, or, or something like that. But you know, we just haven't. Yeah, it's just been, and you know, we played Wisconsin several times. We played Purdue back in the nineties. Exactly, just for whatever reason, we haven't run into these guys. Yeah, and that's what makes this matchup, I think, really cool for the Georgia fans and also for the Michigan fans too. Which I think they're going to outnumber Georgia in the stadium. That I just have a feeling their their fans mm-hmm. are they're going through what we went through in twenty seventeen in a way. Yeah. You're listening to The Second String on 98.7 FM and AM 1340 WGAU, Athens News and Weather Station. Jason, I do want to ask you about this, and, it, and it's <laughs> there's really not much to say other than that what I've seen from the old programs of, of the Orange Bowl. A very, a very different time, and I, it, it's just one of these things. And what I'm explaining is, is the 1940s Orange Bowls, the program covers – they were prominently featuring the the lavish lifestyle of Miami. A lot of girls in bathing suits. A lot of uh, it almost it almost yep. felt sexist to call it what it is. Is is it just felt different than what would be acceptable today? Uh, but, but what what do you have in the archives there from the programs back in the day, and how different it would be in today's world? Yeah, the, the program you're referring to from the uh, from the forty two mm-hmm. Orange Bowl. It really is something that would not be acceptable <laughs> in in any way today. <laughs> Um, but of course, bowl games back then were were developed to promote the cities that they were host that mm-hmm. were, were hosting them. They were promoting the economies. They were promoting these cities as tourist destinations, and that's why you see so many of the early bowl games in warm weather cities, either in the Sun Belt or on the West Coast, because they were a place where people could escape to during the winter time. And this particular program does really show off in, a, in what we would call it, uh, we would see as a very negative way, kind of the lifestyle that they were trying to promote in Miami. But one of the interesting things is when you, when you look back at, at these early bowl, uh, these bowl games, and it's something that we've lost over the years, is they really were promoting the cities. Mm-hmm. And they would have things like 
they would have more things than just a, a football game. Today, you know, we were just we just accept that a bowl game is a bowl game. It's a football game and nothing else. Back then, they would have tennis or golf or basketball tournaments attached to the bowl games. Would have cultural activities, you know, special performances by symphonies or operas or even fashion shows featuring clothing from local designers or stores. But we've kind of lost that aspect of bowl games over the years as they've just been focused on on football now. So that's really what it was. It was just a promotional tool for the city of Miami. And um, they really went all in on what they wanted people to see. By the way, and Jason Hasty from the Hargrit Library, if I had your job, I bet I would I would go down 38 rabbit holes every day doing stuff. You probably do that <laughs> a lot yourself. When you're going At through, least, yeah. <laughs> Because so, I'm sitting here looking at the you know the teams that we're talking about, and I see the Pat Dyes and the Fran Tarkentons. Do you get sidetracked when you see you know the bigger names from the the you mentioned Frank Sinkwich and 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 Charlie Trippy? But how often do you just get sidetracked when you're going back 60 years and you see a lot of these big names? Oh, all the time. Yeah, all the time. I mean, it's it's kind of hard not to. Um, but but also it's. It's not just the big names; it's some of the smaller players or the smaller players, the guys who we may yeah. not remember as much now. Guys like Cliff Kimsey, who I mentioned a little while ago, he was a big star in the late '30s, early '40s, but he's a name that's kind of been forgotten now. So, you, you, I do try to go down the rabbit hole of figuring out who these guys were or what they did and what significance they had. But, but yeah, it's so easy to to go down those rabbit holes and just think, who are these people? Mm-hmm. And what did they do? And and, uh, you know, with guys like Sinkwich or Trippy, you think, gosh, you know, they really were great, yeah. uh, great players, you know. Uh, for example, in, in the first Orange Bowl, we went to the 42 Orange Bowl, I mean, Sinkwich just dominated that game. He had 22 rushes for 139 yards, and went 9 of 13 passing for not, uh, 240 yards. Oh, wow. And those are numbers that would be more than respectable today, but you know back then they were just absurd uh, because no one was doing that. Um, so it's it's fun to go down those rabbit holes and and find out who would, you know what they were doing, who these guys were, and and you know especially in the bowl games, you know how did they mm-hmm. perform. I know part of your job is also to archive seasons as they happen. You've talked to us before that, mm-hmm. that throughout this season, which could potentially end in a very very special way that you put in requests and stuff for, uh, for certain things throughout in, in hopes that we archive this in a very good way itself sure. with, without giving specifics, unless you want to, do you, how do you communicate with the football team, the athletic department to say down at the orange bowl, we would like maybe this, 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 and this, if Georgia comes out victorious, or even if they don't come out victorious, is that something you've been working on the last couple of weeks with them to, to let it be known that you would like some things for, for your archive? Sure, you know, and, and and I know you guys know this, but uh, our sports communications department is just just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Claude Felton, Steve Colquitt, uh, John Frierson, Leland Barrow, all those guys are just absolutely fantastic, and they really do know um, kind of what what I want for the archives and what I need, and they are so responsive to to gathering things, um, to sending things over, and to making sure that we do preserve the efforts of our of our student athletes and our coaches for posterity. You know, they, they want to see that as well. So a lot of what, how I go about doing that is I just, I'm in, you know, almost constant communication with, or, you know, not all the time, but uh, communication with sports communications, you know, regularly 
and they know what I need. They know what I want, and they are absolutely fantastic about working to get that and get that over to the archives. Well, I want to make sure I haven't missed anything. Is there anything that we've not asked you about Orange Bowls and and, uh, Georgia, Michigan that you would like to talk about before we before we let you go? Well, you know, it's 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 just go ahead. No, I have to after you. Oh, uh, there was an echo on the line. Sorry about that. Um, no, you know, it's just kind of an interesting. Like we said, it's three of the first bowl, three of our first eight bowl games are Orange Bowls, and we haven't been since. We haven't played Michigan six sixty five, so I think this is a really kind of neat historical event where we're going back to Miami. You know, we're going to go play Michigan, and so it's just for that, it's exciting, and I hope fans really realize how rare this has been for our program. Hey, Jason, great job. Sorry for the wonky connection there. Uh, you, uh, you're a pro. You didn't even. Uh, yeah, so we're flinch. we're trying to figure that out. Yeah. If, if, if you <laughs> we're can pressing buttons. If you can bear one more question, though, <laughs> this doesn't have to do with the Orange Bowl or uh, Michigan, but an, an amazing, sure. amazing individual turned 100 years old this week yeah. in Charlie Trippy. Oh, you've done gosh, a lot yeah. of things over your your time here in Georgia, documenting what Charlie is and what he means to to the University of Georgia and just sports in general. Uh, just give give you the mic if there's anything you want to say about Charlie Trippy turning a hundred and maybe some things you have of Charlie's that people can see one day. Gosh, you know he really is just an amazing athlete and, and a special individual. Um, you know he's the oldest living member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the College Football Hall of Fame. He's the only the second Pro Football Hall of Fame member to turn a hundred years old. Um, so he's he's really remarkable and just an amazing athlete in his day. You know, his senior year, he hit 475 for our baseball team, mm-hmm. 475, uh, which is not something you just luck into. <laughs> uh, he was a great athlete. Um, here we we do have some interesting trippy material. We actually have his uh, back in the old days. A lot of people know this, but for those who don't, after the end of each season, uh, all star games would actually play a game. They would actually get together, form a team, and go play a game either against another all-star team or against a professional team. We have Mr. Trippy's uh, all-star game sweater uh, from '46, so that's a that's a really neat little artifact. <laughs> I, I think I hope I may have found the button as I'm sitting here frantically trying to figure out what's. I've got a million buttons in front of me, and one of them. If even one is pressed, it's not supposed to be pressed, and things go a little bit squirrely. So thanks for sticking with us without the echo this week. Not a problem. Anytime. <laughs> not well, a Jason, thank, thanks so much for joining us. We love having you on the show, and I know you get real giddy this time of year with all the history that, that has been made or Absolutely. you can re- relive and hopefully will be made uh, the next couple of weeks. And I guess depending on the next matchup, if, if Georgia and, and Alabama get together, we'll have to get you back on and talk about some national championship uh, memory me- trips and highlights and memories yeah. and all that. Hey, for people, yeah, absolutely, yeah. For people that want to swing by, what's what, mm-hmm. what are the best times and everything to to drop by the Hardrick Library? Yeah, well, we're open eight to five Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then eight to seven on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So, if you want to come by after work on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you can do that. Uh, if I'm here, I am absolutely always happy to talk to people about the archives, about Georgia sports, about what all we have. Uh, in fact, I may ramble on a little more than people want, but that's that's uh, you know. <laughs> is is your just, is just your integration there? Is your integration display still up, or has that already been packed packed away? Yep, the integration display not only for ourselves, the uh, integration of UGA athletics is still up. Okay. It'll be up through the uh, through uh, spring, if I'm not mistaken, awesome. and uh, people can can look that. So there's there's plenty of UGA history here for people who want to. 
to want to relive it or explore it in any way. And, you know, I want to emphasize the archives here are totally open to the public. You don't have to be a UGA student. You don't have to be part of the UGA community to come here and look at this stuff. So, you know, anybody who wants to come and, you know, relive the, the glories of Georgia sports can do so uh, through the archives. And Excellent. everyone is welcome. Excellent. Jason, you're a pro as always. We appreciate everything you do for us and the university. And I highly encourage anybody listening to go go hang out with Jason one day and, and, and talk to you in person and get some of this awesome knowledge you have. So we will certainly be hitting you up in the near future for, for even more free radio time. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you, Jason. Jason. Appreciate Thank it. Great talking to you. All right. Yes. Jason Hasty of the Hargrit Library. A pro because I know that was a wonky connection. You think you got everything I, figured I, I out? I think we did. Yes, I think we're good to go. I hey, think, things happen. They happen. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.